what's up everybody welcome to another episode of downtime with downstar episode 166 and today we are here with nick hogan nick what's up man what's up frank dude i'm just chilling i'm out here in vegas and uh excited to do this podcast because we've been talking about this for what five years now before the podcast even started maybe yeah man it was back when uh when we were doing the huffy talk dude it's uh yep. it's a long time coming man um finally. finally now we've got the technology to set it up we decided to do it we got the technology and we got the um the circumstances right now with everything going on dude Exactly. It's I think sad. it pushed us into using the technology that's been there the whole time. It definitely has, man. It's re- it's made me feel a lot more comfortable about doing podcasts like Skype wise because yeah. b- before this uh before the lockdown, I only did two podcasts Skype because there was no chance that I was ever going to run into these uh these guests. But now that right. it turned that everybody's doing Skype, man, this I've been having a field day, dude. I've been potting with everybody that I've wanted to and uh glad dude, to be to sit down here with you today. Oh. That's great. Yeah, I've, I've seen some of the ones you've been doing lately, and it seems like ever since doing stuff via Skype or whatever, it's almost opened up your ability to have chats with so many more people. Oh, dude, it definitely has, man. It is, I've I've been taking it as a blessing. You know, I, I feel that you have to look at these uh, these these struggles as blessings, and you got to figure right. out where where to go from there. You know. So uh, before we get any further, can you just give us a quick breakdown of who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. Uh, my name's Nick Hogan. A lot of people know me because my father is a sports entertainer, but I personally am a musician and a traveling DJ for over a decade now, and I just happen to have a little bit of an obsession with JDM cars. So uh, that's my thing. Supras in general or everything? Supras in general, mostly JDM stuff. Um, you know, I, I used to compete in the drift circuit and stuff like that. So it's always, it's pretty much anything JDM. I like drift cars, circuit cars, VIP cars. I like the vans. It's anything JDM. I mean, I like all cars in general, but I, uh, I'm especially a sucker for Japanese stuff. I love it, man. You, uh, you spend a lot of time in Japan? You know, I've been twice. Uh, once with my dad when he was, uh, or when I was about 13, I begged him and begged him and begged him to go to uh, Tokyo Auto Salon. So we went, because he used to wrestle in Japan. He lived there for almost 10 years, so he still knows a lot of people there. And I was begging him, and he knew enough people. It was actually kind of an easy trip for him to make. So we went to the uh, Tokyo Auto Salon in 2003, and then I went back a couple years ago in uh, 2014 just to go have some fun and just go experience the culture a little more. And I love it. I can't wait to go back. Oh, dude, it's so awesome, man. My first auto salon was maybe four or five, five years ago. And ever since uh, then, I've been hooked, dude. I love it out there. Yeah, well, you know, I, so I went uh, to auto salon in 03, and obviously the show's much bigger since then. But when I went back in 2014, I went to this thing at Fuji Speedway called the R's Meeting, which is pretty much like every GTR owner from all over Japan gathers at Fuji Speedway once a year. To It's like a GTR meet, pretty much. But there's like a, a festival of like, you know, all the vendors and stuff, and pretty much all the top tuners bring out the legendary cars, all the new stuff they're working on. And it also happened to be the 25th anniversary of the R32. So they had a lot of the people who were involved in producing that car there speaking. Obviously, I couldn't understand it because it was all Japanese. But it was cool. It was was fun. The souvenirs I got for 25th anniversary of the R32 GTR from that uh, ours meeting was really cool and such a unique experience. I mean, there's really, it's hard to explain, but even SEMA or Tokyo Auto Salon, you know, you see a lot of variety, but to see so much 
um, variety of one chassis was incredible because you'll see, you know, go somewhere. Oh, there's 10 GTRs. Here. I mean, there are over a thousand at this thing. So oh, it's wow. like, I mean, you look at the pictures, you know, that Speed Hunters, you know, has of even old R's meetings, and it's like a row of like a hundred Bayside Blue R34s next to each other. And it's it's really unbelievable to see. So it's it's a cool experience. Oh three, man. How old were you back then when you went? I was I was thirteen, and that was uh, that was the auto salon. So I was like kidney candy, candy store, and this is like before even like, I think phones had cameras. Maybe before that even yeah. or something. I remember. I'd go through some old box and I'll find old, you know, like disposable developed film from the pictures at Auto Salon. And I was, you know, I'm like this chubby 13 year old kid, like drooling on every car there. Man, dude, I was just watching some old videos of you right now. And uh, I was watching one where you were in Formula Drift. I think you were yeah. about 15 and you were waiting yep. for your 16th birthday because you were going to start driving the Dodge Viper. Whatever happened with that? Um, you know, that team Mopar eventually, um, you know, I, I did, I did a lot of events with Mopar with the Viper and a lot of events went really good. Some of the events didn't go so good. There's video evidence of that, but there's, um, the team Mopar eventually pulled out of drift. Um, gotcha. Dodge just didn't really see a future in it at the time. And it was kind of at the time, uh, right before that whole recession happened and people were kind of pulling away from motorsports in general. And at the time Dodge just didn't see the budget justify the results of what they were getting out of the sport at the time and i think the sport was still in its infancy yeah. here in the states you know and um when they decided to you know pull their sponsorships from the whole team and uh pretty much back out of drifting completely is when i went and uh i started messies and you know got my own 350z and kind of kept uh competing with my own car and stuff but then <clears throat> eventually you know it's came to a time where I just had other stuff I had to focus on and I still got my Z. So you never know. I might pop out and hit some amateur events here and there. Yeah. But um, that's how all that kind of came to a head was it Mopar really just uh, pulled out their sponsorship for the drift program. Got you. So at 13, how were you even aware of what was going on in Tokyo before Auto um, You know, I think I'm just like one of those people who gets like obsessed with something and I like will really dig into it further than most people usually do and I always loved cars my dad had cool cars while I was growing up and you know he didn't really have the exotics because he didn't fit into them but he had muscle cars and old schools and just fun stuff and um he was had a lot of friends with cool stuff and one of his buddies had this um Lamborghini dealership and he owned a bunch of crazy custom Studebakers and you name it so I was always around all this kind of cool stuff. And then growing up, some of my, uh, like I used to play hockey and my hockey coach had a Civic SI, you know, I was like, oh my God, you know, back then. And um, it just kind of grew on me. And then with the, uh, with the kind of growth of the tuner culture, with the movies and the video games and everything else, it was almost like sensory overload. I, I had a lot of access to the magazines and, you know, Gran Turismo and Tokyo Extreme Racer Zero and all these games at the time and then the movies and Fast and Furious and the culture really exploded in the early 2000s and that's right around the time that I was like a sponge soaking all this stuff up. So, you know, my dad um, was into it too because he liked cars and he was kind of unfamiliar with Japanese stuff, mm -hmm. but he liked, I was into it and some of these car shows you can go and see muscle cars and stuff that he liked too. So we just made fun out of it and we'd go and do car stuff together. And then eventually, you know, I guess I bugged him enough to buy a Supra and start messing with it. So 
<laughs> if it was up to him, what would you be driving? He's a, he's a Mopar guy. He's the Hemi guy, you know. So he was stoked when I was driving the Viper. And, you know, I'm still a Mopar guy. I got a uh, Ram outside. And my girlfriend actually is a Mopar freak, too. She's got a Hemi Challenger that we're about to slap some twin turbos on. No and, way. Uh, yeah, so shout out Turbonetics and uh, Hellion Turbo. They're uh, sending us the kit. And uh, it's a 5.7 Hemi, and she's stoked. And we're going to put the turbos on it and try to do around 500 at the wheels. So she's like burnout queen around here. I can't get her to stop doing burnouts. But you know, <laughs> we, we still it. got a little bit of Mopar in the family. But, <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, he's like a Mopar guy. And, um, you know, he's he's had his, you know, variety of stuff. But when it really comes down to it, he just got – He's had a 68 Charger with a 528 Hemi in it for like 20 years. That's like his baby. He just got a 69 Roadrunner, which is the exact same car that he had in high school. This down to everything, the trim, the options, everything. No the way. Same. And then he bought another 69 Roadrunner that's all black, and he's having a built 440 put in that. And then he's got some Caprice that he's – what's his Caprice, a 66, babe? I think it's a 66 Caprice, and he's putting like a 500 cubic inch motor in that. <laughs> and he's just off the wall. And then he calls me the other day. He FaceTimes me, and he shows me this trailer backing a car off. And he goes, look what I got. He just got a numbers-matching original 71 446-pack Cuda. Oh. And I'm just like, <laughs> he's obsessed now. And not to mention, he's got a demon and a Hellcat. So he's like off the wall with the Mopar stuff. He has know? a demon and a Hellcat? Yeah, so look, if it was up to him... I'd be in something Hemi-powered. <laughs> man, and my truck has a Hemi, so he can't complain too much. There you go. <laughs> that's funny, man. Yeah, I've uh, I've really fallen for those Challengers, dude. Especially like the Hellcat. I love that car, man. But the only oh, yeah. the only problem with that to me is it's so hard to distinguish if you're not a car person from right. a Hellcat Demon versus just the regular base model, you know. Right, you got to pay close attention because the trims are so interchangeable. Now they're putting the wide body on the scat pack. Ah. And it's getting, I mean, they're kind of giving people what they want. You can kind of roll into a Dodge dealership with any budget and kind of get the cool looking car that you're trying to get, you know, without having to spend the money for a demon. Yeah. So it's cool on Dodge's part that they're offering so much, you know, ver variation, you know, for the model lineup of the Challenger. But I had, um, you know, I, back in like 09, I had one of these, uh, an SRT Challenger that was one of the, um, I think it was Forgiato or Asante did the custom big wide body. And it was like that year that the new Challenger came out and there was just wide body Challengers everywhere at SEMA. Mm. So I ended up picking up one of those cars and um, I loved it. I really loved the way it drove and everything else. So when I got rid of it, I was a little bummed out that I didn't have my Challenger anymore. And then my girl and I got together and I didn't know what she drove at first. And then I saw her car and I was like, that's yours? And she was like, yeah, fool. What's <laughs> So, you know, and she's, she's wild, you know, she's, you know, give her an inch. She just takes it like all the way down the street with a burnout. She's like, you know, she'll tell her, babe, light him up real quick. And she'll be down the street still blowing tires <laughs> off. Like, all right, chill out, man. Chill out. <laughs> I love it, dude. That's so cool, man, that she's in the cars. You guys do a lot of car stuff together? Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, she's like, so the, the water pump just died on her car. And she's like, let's just do it. Let's just go get the water pump. Do it in the driveway. I'm like. We're in Vegas. It's 105 <laughs> degrees. The driveway is probably 130. Oh. I said, let's uh, let's move some stuff away. Let's try to do it in the garage. But, yeah, she's, you know, even when um, we talked to Turbonetics about putting the turbos on her car, and I was just thinking, oh, you know, we could figure out the install. She goes, no, no, no. 
send it here. I want to do it. I want to do it. I, cool. you know, she's way into it. She might be more into it than me. It's crazy. I um oh coincidence. I got the Need for Speed Heat here. I've been playing all morning. Oh, nice. And like let me try it. Let me try it. And she gets on there, and she's better than me at the video game. She wins every single. It's like. She's brutal, man. She's she will have to have her on the show one day, but she's a whole nother story. That's what's up, man. It it always looks like you guys are having a good time, dude. We do, you know. It's like we um we have a lot of you know stuff going on in business, and it's crazy all the time. But you know, we tend to have fun somehow through all of it. You know. Yeah. So with the recent shutdown, how's that um, affected life for you and life in Vegas? Well, you know, well, it's interesting because Vegas is, it's crazy. I tell people that, you know, this is probably the first time in history since Vegas was built that this is only locals here. There's no tourists here in town at all. You know, the strip's closed. You know, people aren't really coming here to gamble or go to nightclubs. So, you know, I don't know if you'd come here just to hang out in the desert, but, yeah. you know, it's pretty, you know, just locals right now. And um, the thing that sucks is that all the local businesses are closed, so you can't really get out. There's not much to do. And, you know, we, we tend to spend a lot of home time at home anyway, so it's not that bad. But, you know, it's just um, a bummer because, you know, I feel like <clears throat> there's a lot of people who are going through tough times because of this. And, you know, even me doing music stuff, you know, I had uh, some summer tour stuff lined up that's been postponed or canceled. And, you know, so it is it hits people in ways that you don't even think about. You know, my um, my girlfriend's mom works for the post office and, you know, they didn't provide any kind of gloves or masks or anything for them. And, oh, wow. you know, it's like she's handling everybody's mail. You know, everybody in the world sends mail. So it's it's just weird how, you know, it affected everyone. I'm just hoping that, you know, we continue to see the numbers go down and we can get back to some kind of normal soon. Yeah, no, definitely, man. And it's so weird about how everything's going on is, is the people that it's affecting, you know, it can affect anybody, no matter your your status, no matter anything. And yeah. um, well, you know, it affected me because now I got so much time to nitpick my cars. <laughs> now I'm like sitting here going, all right, now I'm noticing too many things I need to fix. I'm like, I need to get busy again. You yeah, I, I think that that's the trend, man, because we've been nonstop here at Downstar. Everybody's had us busy because they're working on their cars now. Yeah, so I'm I'm home and I'm before I was thinking, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that, touch it up, and now I'm looking at it going, well, oh, that's really bothering me too. Oh man, well, if I, you know, so it's I need to get busy again soon. Yeah. So let's talk but, about your your music. So do you go by uh, Jackpot or what? What? Yeah. Is so so there's basically like two identities or two uh, projects. So I've always done and stuff public eye from being associated with family to whatever to DJing it just was kind of already created for me just through the connection of my family so a lot of stuff I did was under the Nick Hogan name and playing shows or putting out music and that kind of brand is very commercial it's very you know mainstream type of stuff so with that it makes the most sense if I make like a house music or a, a fun song or a dance music record or something to put that out under a Nick Hogan brand because it's something that's very like mainstream or commercial. Whereas I also make dubstep music mm -hmm. and dubstep is not really mainstream. It's not really commercial. And a lot of people can't put two and two together if you're trying to associate Nick Hogan with dubstep. So almost 10 years ago, I started a different project called Jackpot, which is just um, pretty much heavier bass stuff. It's not all dubstep, but it's pretty much not really mainstream it's it's much heavier focused electronic music got you and uh i think so now i've just been really you know putting stuff out under um jackpot hold on one second, hold on one second. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. 
um, yeah, so the uh, jackpot stuff, you know, I've, I always focus on both projects. It's hard to leave one to the side. So now um, I just dropped a few records on uh, the jackpot SoundCloud. I'll send you a link to that. But I just dropped a few records, kind of unannounced, quiet stuff that may or may not have should have came out but i got tired of staring at it on my computer so i just uploaded a couple of things on there a few days ago so nice very cool i was just listening to um a couple songs you did the what was it the the drake the i'm upset remix yeah yeah that was a bootleg and then the the rick ross one was uh a, a licensed remix so that was an official uh, rick ross remix and it was cool that's all like heavier dubstep stuff and what's interesting now is i've i've had so many different you know things or elements in my life that kind of tie together between the hobby and the passion and the work for music and cars and all this stuff that now um you know a lot of people who are into tuner cars or modifying their cars they kind of listen to electronic music or you know even in you know the fast and furious bt was the dj at the race wars uh -huh. you know what i mean it's like it's always kind of gone hand in hand even like the grid life events oh, you know yeah that so now um i've always had them separated i've always focused on music as music and cars as cars and i've never really tied the two together but now i'm actually working on a new project to come out under the nick hogan brand which is kind of like upbeat like driving music uh like electronic stuff but it's all kind of car themed so you might hear a blow off valve somewhere in the song or nice. something like that or the track starts with a car two-stepping or even the the vocals and some of the lyrics are all kind of car related stuff and we're working on some video ideas to put some cool stuff together just some video content with some cool tuner cars to kind of go along with the project so it's going to be like a, a three track ep of all kind of like car related driving electronic music so that's next to come out very cool man I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing that it's I understand what you mean. You have so many different hobbies and you want to do this one, but then now you're neglecting this one. You want to do this one, but now this one's not. So it's it's always so good just to mash it up together. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm trying to do almost, with, with all the stuff that we're doing, you know? Yeah, it almost makes the most sense to do it like that because, you know, when you try to separate the, the two things or the, the two, you know, um, objects, it's it's almost like you have to focus too far on either side. Whereas when I started bringing the two together, when I'm writing music and I'm thinking about car stuff, it almost helps me to think through certain stuff. Even if it's not related, it'll give me an idea of something I should do for my merch line or something here. If I'm working on something with, you know, cars, it'd give me an idea to put into a song. So they kind of feed each other in a way that I never really imagined. Very cool, man. So um, moving to Vegas, did that help out your music career? Oh, tremendously. So I actually am managed by a company called Wise Guy Management that's based in Vegas here. So I'm a lot closer to the people I work with. And that's just even, you know, for communication's sake, it's just nice to be closer and feel more comfortable to people you work with. But focus-wise, it's, you know, moving out of, I was born in LA, so I'm always kind of like, wanted to be around LA and have family and friends there and stuff. But moving away from LA gave me a little bit of focus because I have like a, I tell people I, I live in a castle in Vegas. It's not, it's just a, a, a nice bigger house, the same price I'd pay for my apartment. And <laughs> yeah. you know, I've got like a half acre of property and I could park 50 cars in my backyard and I have, you know, enough rooms that I ended up, uh, my girl helped me build my own studio here at the house. So it's actually given me like a workspace. Whereas before I was like building my studio in my living room in my apartment and it's like, you know, it's cool, but it's nice to be able to separate things. When you want to relax and watch TV, you don't want to be staring at your turntables and your work and thinking, oh, I should, you know, so it's kind of, 
it's been really <clears throat> helpful to it's been I've had a lot of growth and creativity and focus since moving here. Very cool, man. Have you picked that's, up any uh, residencies awesome. or anything like that? You know, so actually, yeah, we um, like I mentioned, some of these uh, summer shows were um, kind of postponed. So what I'm doing now is my dad has a, a brand called Hogan's Beach. And um, my dad's always been like a beach guy because, you know, he's from Florida and I grew up kind of on and off California and Florida and we'd be on the boats and the beaches and stuff. So my dad always tells people, you know, when he stops wrestling, he's just going to be a professional beach bum, you know? So he started a, a beach store called Hogan's beach down in Florida where you go and, you know, there's wrestling merch and wrestling theme stuff, but you can also buy beach balls and sunscreen and towels and whatever. And then he did a restaurant, uh, like six years ago, Hogan's beach restaurant. And I went down there to check it out and I, they had volleyball nets. I said, dad, you should, wipe that shit out and put a stage over there and, you know, bring some DJs in. And we did it and it turned into this like legendary party that we did in Tampa called Hogan's beach. And we had Skrillex and chain smokers and carnage. And like, we were booking huge acts there and, um, city ordinances kind of got in the way and complaints and we had to close down. But now we've partnered with hard rock properties and, uh, we're kicking off Hogan's beach parties again. And the Hogan's beach parties are going to be held at the hard rock properties. So, Whoa. uh, first, is hard rock in tampa and then we're talking about atlantic city and hollywood florida and stuff like that so that's kind of where the residency or the tour would be now is that um rather than focus on doing individual club residencies i'm kind of working on putting together like my own festival touring brand with the hogan's beach parties damn that sounds dope dude hell yeah it's crazy man it, it got pretty out of control before so we're gonna we're gonna have to <laughs> keep a keep a handle this time but yeah it's it's pretty awesome man everyone has a good time and you know what it's fun because you know the the things are that you know a lot of people just like to get out and it's a cool way for people to you know experience you know there's kind of like the wrestling element because my dad will always come along and hang out and with that you don't know who's going to show up to hang out with him whether it's you know a wrestling buddy or our left other party you know they said gronk booked a table for it for the one coming up in tampa and it's like he brings this just crazy you know sideshow of just random people yeah. fun and you know with my crew and my friends and the music people it's just always a really fun mix up of talent and people and artists and really good stuff and good vibes so it, it's unique is how i'd describe it it's definitely an experience that you couldn't find anywhere else dude i would look forward to come checking something like that out man well, we're gonna have to have you there. You know, I'm I'm working on getting some stuff in uh, SoCal at some other properties, so we'll have to uh, have the Downstar crew out to the party. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! Definitely, man. So, with your music, where where do you get your influence from? What are some of the um, the maybe other DJs or music that you listen to that that you feed off of? Yeah, um, you know, it's it's weird because it kind of changes. I, I go through phases of stuff that I like to listen to and whatnot. And, in general, you know, everyone in my family is kind of musical. My dad plays bass. My sister, you know, sings and plays piano. My mom plays piano. And I played drums when I was a kid. So it's kind of like always just something in the family. But for me right now, like, I've been listening to a lot of kind of like down-tempo, groovy, electronic stuff or kind of heavier. I've, I always listen to a guy named Gasopelstein. His stuff is just really, if you haven't heard it, 
I'm warning you now, it's it's fun to listen to, but it's it's pretty cool. It's edgy and heavy stuff. But um, there's another guy named Pretty Lights, and um, that's always just a good classic type of thing. It's like vibey, cool stuff you could maybe listen to out by the pool. And um, there's a like a rave rap group from South Africa that I really love. My chick and I really – that's like the main thing I listen to. It's called Diantwoord or Diantwoord. Yeah. And, um, they're like next level. They just put out a new album and that's um, a lot of inspiration for even like the visual aspect of creating video content to go with the music. And if you check their stuff out, it's just so artistic and so unique that it's really abstract art mixed with kind of like, you know, kind of experimental like rave rap yeah. music. It's just, it's like visually it's stimulating. It's like all your senses, like it's a sensory overload watching their shit. So it's, it's cool, but you know, it's, it inspires me to come up with new ideas or I'll see something they're doing or I'll hear something that somebody else did and I'll, I'll kind of build off of it or think, well, I wouldn't have done it like that, but you know, what's my idea behind and it? It kind of drives me to just, my chick thinks I'm crazy. I'll be running around the house. She'll be talking to me and go, wait, I got an idea. And I'll just run off to the studio and I'll sit there for 10 minutes until I bang it out. And then I'll come back. And go, what were you saying? You know, sorry, just get that down. You know? Yeah. Diane Ward's dope, man. There's that, uh, what is that? I think evil boy is the song where yeah. they have the video and then it's the, yeah. Oh, that video is nuts, the, dude. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, yeah, it's, uh, that's not really the way you know, I'm talking about. <laughs> no, they, that was my introduction into it. My buddy was from South Africa and he played some of that music. Oh, really? where I said, what in the hell is this? He's like, you have to watch the video. I said, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah it's crazy. They, um, What's the other one with the Lady Gaga spoof? What's that one? <laughs> Fuck, I can't. I can't remember. But there's one video. I guess there was a. There's one called "Bang on Him" where the Ninja just sits himself on fire for the video. Like he's just standing there on fire. It's just like, <laughs> all right, cool. But, you know, they're wild. And you know what's interesting is he has a matte black uh, WRX, and he's always in a lot of his videos. He's in, there's drifting in their videos, oh, and he's doing donuts and. There's one video where this kid's doing donuts around the girl in the group and he gets out and he does like rodeo drift, like standing on the hood and shit. Like it's, it's cool, man. They're wild. They're, you know, definitely out of control, out of, uh, out of this world. Yeah. Unique. Hell yeah. Very cool, dude. Yeah. About mixing genres and, and hobbies and things like that. I don't see why there's not more of it because I know a lot of people are into cars that are into yeah. other things and you'll see, you'll see it pop up uh, with more uh, social media. Say you'll follow somebody and say, wait, that guy has a fixed up M3 or something like that. And then right. you go in, oh, yeah, I'm a car guy, too, you know? Well, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've ran into Sam Dew at a rave. <laughs> <laughs> at a rave or a restaurant? <laughs> one of the yeah, two. Yeah, one of the two. More times than I can even count, I've been running around somewhere, and I see Sam Dew, I'm like, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, same thing as you are. <laughs> yeah, man, and that's why you mentioned earlier about grid life. That's why I love grid life and what they're doing. Because it's so cool, man. Have you ever been to an event? I haven't been. I know all about it. I've seen a lot of video footage from the events, and it looks incredible. If I had the chance to attend one, I'd go in a heartbeat. Yeah, man. It was really cool. I think it was maybe 2016. They had at Road Atlanta. I went out there, and they had Waka yep. Flocka. Oh, it was awesome, man. Yep. You know, what's crazy is there's been a, 
a good amount of it, but it's it's almost like people fail to mix the two properly. And Gridlife did a really good job, you know. So I'd like to see even more of their events. I'd like to see them really succeed and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And even you know, Formula Drift does a good job of you know bringing a lot of the different cultures together and having the car shows with the music and the DJs and the entertainment side of it, walking around the pits, and they allow it and. Um, you know, it's just like one of those things where I think a lot of car people sometimes they don't go out to nightclubs. They don't go here because they're just car guys, you know, or they don't yeah. feel like they're you know, in that group of people. But the, the truth is that a lot of those type of people don't go to car shows and stuff because they don't feel like they know enough about cars. And the truth is that really everybody kind of likes the same stuff. And it makes sense when you blend the two things together. You don't have to be an expert in this or that to go to it or to enjoy it, you know, so you can kind of enjoy both things and just take it for what it is and it, i think that's where it comes out the best yeah definitely man that's that's really cool that you're um that you're into all that kind of stuff man especially you know music cars uh, how'd you end up with your life um i've i actually knew the guy chris because chris he would go out to um import alliance so import okay. alliance out, out down south is a big um import show so i would go out there and uh, it was this one year that somebody, it was in Atlanta, I don't know who it was, but they rented out a huge mansion and said, oh, we're just going to have a party here. So everybody that was there for the weekend went to the went to the mansion. So right. I was there and then I met Chris and we're talking and he's explaining to me, dude, this was probably like at least six or seven years ago and he says we're gonna have a festival and there's gonna be concerts and then a show and then drifting and i'm just thinking like man that's a lot of stuff to put together i haven't i never seen it before i would kind of think of it maybe at like as like nopey that's the, the only thing that was coming to my mind right. you know nopey has got to be the close no like nopey nationals or something it was probably the closest you could even get to something like that now yeah when he was explaining it but still i even missed that part of it because i didn't get into the community yeah. until like 2007 but then when I yeah. finally decided that I was going to make it over to Gridlife and check it out, dude, it was awesome, man. It, it was such a good experience. Well, you know, the thing is a lot of people that go to track days or track events, you know, they either like to go, you know, out for dinner afterward or they like to go to the bar and have a couple of beers or something. And it's like a lot of times you'll find everyone just leaving the track trying to figure out where they're going. Hey, man, let's go hang out and talk because everyone's busy working on their cars or doing this yeah. and that. And, the community likes to connect and talk and share ideas and secrets and whatever news and information and grid life really did a good job of you know moving the action from the track during the day to the music at night and kind of keeping everyone safe in one place where it's not a lot of people that are in town for a track event spilling out all over the city trying to figure out where to go yeah, and this yeah, and that yeah. and it's really cool that they've just kind of like condensed it all into one thing yeah no definitely i was looking forward to attending again i went last year um in that in atlanta again for the last um what they were having at road atlanta and then i had a great yeah. time man i was looking forward to going again because in in my field of automotive i'm mostly in the honda community so i don't have right. much experience with drifting besides you know just being a casual fan and dude i, I right. love it man i love every aspect yeah. of it yeah, it's cool, man. It's it's ballet on pavement, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So let, let's kind of switch topics a little bit. I want to get into your early life a little bit. So you say you grew up in L.A. and in Florida? Yeah, I'd go back and forth because my dad, um, I was born in L.A. and my mom's whole family is from L.A. But my dad is really from Florida and down south. And his work and the wrestling company was all based East Coast. So 
we would kind of split the time, you know, I would, I would spend the school year in Florida and then anytime that it wasn't school year, we'd be in California with my mom's family or something. So summers, winters, is that at least a couple months a year, we'd be in California. So I didn't really have the, the childhood with my friends in California that was more based in Florida. But I mean, <clears throat> even when I moved back to Los Angeles when I was 18, it was all familiar to me because I'd been there, you know, three, four months out of the year my whole life. So I'd spend so much time there growing up that it really was like growing up between the both places. Got you. What area were you in California? Uh, the Valley near uh, kind of out by like Woodland Hills gotcha. area or Northridge. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So San Fernando. Yeah, San Fernando and Valley. then in yeah. Florida? Van Nuys. And I was born in Van Nuys. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, San Fernando, right? Yeah. Sick. And then in Florida, it was Clearwater? Yeah, Clearwater, Tampa. And then later, we uh, spent some time in Miami also. Got you. I think one of my favorite bands is from out there, Newfound Glory. I think Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. they're from Clearwater. Yeah, I, I, you know what's funny is like they are, and everyone down there knows them too. It's like everyone's like, they're like hometown guys. You yeah, know? hell yeah. Did you ever get into any, any of that kind of music? Yeah, you know, like I was saying, I played drums before any of the DJing or producing music or any of that, and I was really into rock and roll for a long time, but it was more like, kind of like I'd be listening to either like um, Motley Crue or like a Van Halen or like a, then later it was kind of like, there was some like Offspring and Papa Roach and, you know, stuff like that was more like 90s, 2000s stuff I'd listen to, but then somewhere around turn of the century, I just took a hard left into electronic music. <laughs> Yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you. So, where what did you gravitate more towards? Was it Florida or California? You know, it's um, it's hard to say. I was I was really like um into Florida stuff when I was growing up because we grew up near the water, and you know, I love being you know doing you know wakeboarding, surfing, boats, all that kind of stuff. And you know, it was cool because the the car scene in Florida was huge, and it still is for a long time. And you know, some of the fast Supras and stuff is from Florida and Texas and, you know, Titan Motorsports in Florida, Real Streets in Florida. You know, there's so many legendary tuners from Florida that the car scene was always really healthy there. So I was always really plugged into the car scene in Florida. And then, you know, California-wise, it's different. Like, the SoCal car scene unbeatable too you know so, but it's just so vast and unique and you see a lot of different things in california that you wouldn't see in florida so it was like really tough because i remember shoot like florida we'd go places and just see these crazy outrageous you know fast cars or some guy'd have a 2000 horsepower grand national and oh wow what the fuck and all of a sudden we're in california somewhere and I remember being like 11 years old and my dad's friend, we were just out visiting one of my dad's friends and AMG used to have a building near Newport Beach, California. And I remember walking in there and they had a R34 GTR, like maybe when they're brand new, you could still buy one at a dealer in Japan. And I didn't even know what it was back then. I'm like, yeah, this Nissan can make a thousand horsepower. And we're like, what? You know, and there's just so many different things that you, I wouldn't have seen that wherever I was at in Florida versus stuff I saw in Florida that I didn't see here and there. So it's tough to say, you know, what I kind of gravitated towards because it was like both of them had such a appeal in a different way, you know? So I just kind of took it for what it was and enjoyed the best of both worlds. Yeah. So with you uh, traveling from coast to coast and then, um, you know, uh, the success of, of your dad did, um, did, at what age did you realize that your life was a lot different than everybody else's? 
when I would win every conversation about my dad can beat up your dad. Um, no, you know, it was honestly, the kids at school made it more weird than anything else. Every, you know, everything at home was like really normal. Cause I didn't know anything different. You know, dad comes home with, you know, broken nose and you know, this, that's like, all right, whatever. Dad went out and beat up his friends, you know, yeah. like cool. But you know, it was like really like the kids at school would like kind of act like, like, whoa, what's it like? And I'm like, I don't know. What's your dad like? You know, it's, you know, it's like it's, it was normal to me because my dad at home was a dad. He wasn't Hulk Hogan at home, yeah. you know. So it was like if I went, you know, on the on the road with him when I was a kid, it was almost like watching my dad do his job was almost like same thing as me going to play pretend on the play, playground with my friends. It was like, all right, dad's having fun, you know. But at home, he's, you know, responsible. He's being a dad. He's making breakfast, taking me to school, whatever it was. So you know, it was kind of like a really normal upbringing as far as my dad being a dad, you know, but it was times where, you know, my dad would go to work that he'd be on a stadium and all this and people make a big deal out of it. And people would, you know, try and rush his car when we were leaving somewhere. And that was kind of like strange because I didn't see anyone else that I grew up around going through that kind of thing. But it was always just kind of like, um, explained to me that, you know, my dad is, you know, he's, really talented at what he does and he works really hard and you know he's you know we have a lot of respect for what he does and you know just try and understand what it is so my parents were really good about explaining that kind of thing to me and trying to keep me at least you know grounded with the perspective of what's going on you know and my dad was always you know a really really awesome dad at home so it's you know it was cool it's just it was you know I think just around maybe like middle school is when it just got like I started to realize like all right these kids are don't understand that my dad doesn't come home and body slam me you know yeah twice I don't know <laughs> when did you uh did, when did you start getting into um into wrestling or or did you like the storyline and and following it you know I did growing up and then as a teenager I was getting more and more into it and I had a few different times like just the training and stuff like that and then when i was 20 i was going to a wrestling school in burbank out in california and i kept dislocating my left shoulder i've dislocated this shoulder almost 90 times so i've oh, um wow. gone to the doctor it's a really really invasive surgery and i mean one step below a shoulder replacement because all the cartilage is torn off and they there's nothing to stitch back so it's kind of like a a big downtime no no pun but <laughs> And um, it was happening around the time that I was kind of like my DJ stuff was really taking off and I had dates booked and stuff and I couldn't really cancel shows to go have a surgery where I couldn't use my arm. And it was just one of those things where I had to put some of the wrestling training on the back burner because I was you know, doing good with the music stuff. So I've done the training and I've gone to a couple of the different wrestling schools and I love it. And my dad and I talk here and there and we still entertain the idea of you know, seeing how my shoulder holds up to go bounce around in the ring and stuff like that. So you never know because we talk about it every few months. But right now I'm just uh, trying to get some of this music out. And then uh, once that's out, maybe I'll go bang around in the ring over here in Vegas. There's a really good school here called Future Stars of Wrestling. And I've been in touch with those guys. So you never know what could happen. That's cool, dude. Is that something that you would want to dabble in in the future? Oh, yeah. I've, I've always wanted to. You know, I love it. And it's like one of those things where like, you know, I'll go to the, um, you know, I go to the gym and stuff and I'll be lifting weights. And when I'm in the gym lifting weights, I'm always thinking like, all right, I'm preparing to wrestle. Like I'm always training the way my dad trained, you know, that like training for sports entertainment or that kind of athleticism. So when comes, I'll be ready. Yeah. Hell yeah. So when you were younger, were you, um, were you a fan of the, the storylines that were going on and other wrestlers? 
kind of uh, not so much a fan of the storylines, but I was a huge fan of The Rock and John Cena and Stone Cold and, you know, this, uh, Sting. You know, I was like, I loved all the 90s classic wrestlers and stuff like that. I wasn't, I was born in 90s, so I missed the 80s mm-hmm. era of wrestling. But 90s and NWO era was like really, really big to me because that's when I was like really immersed in it. Yeah, I was just watching, uh, man, I haven't seen it forever, but when uh, on WCW, when uh when Hulk Hogan announced that he was on uh NWO, that was so sick. Mm-hmm. Dude, that that was such an exciting time, man. Just uh, yeah, it was it really was. I re- I remember that happening like it was yesterday. And there's so many moments like that that it was like I didn't understand it at the time, but I could feel. I remember what the energy felt yeah. like of that moment of like when my dad. I didn't know what it meant when he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna be a bad guy." You know, and I'm like, okay, whatever, go have fun, go beat up your yeah. friends. You know what yeah. I mean? And uh, all of a sudden, like, I'd never, see, I mean, I'd see people throw this and that to the ring, but the amount of shit that they threw in the ring that night was like mind blowing. I mean, and they didn't care. You know, they're just guys getting hit with beer bottles and shit. They just didn't care. You know, shooting people birds yeah. and this and that, and it was just. It was crazy because, you know, there's there hasn't really been a moment that hit so hard in sports entertainment. Like, I mean, only a few other times that something really impacted the, you know, the entire sport like that, you know. Okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be back in one minute. We all know that there's tons of places you can buy your car parts at. But when you really need help, who's in your corner? When you need parts for your Honda, you need to visit HeelToeAuto.com. Since 2002, Heeltoe has built a reputation for service and support. Let me repeat that, guys. Since 2002. It's 2020 right now. That's a long time of experience, man. These social media slingers and copycat web stores can't match Hilto's professionalism. Hilto even offers a complete OEM store for all your genuine parts needs. Whether it's for show, race, or just a badass daily, remember that HiltoAuto.com is in your corner. And guys, if you're on Instagram, make sure you check them out at Hilto Automotive. Please, please go to their page right now, add them, and comment that you heard them on Downtime with Downstar podcast. Next up is Downstar. Downstar is the premium leader in dress-up hardware and engine bay accessories. We have all the nuts and bolts for all your screwing and nutting needs. From engine kits, transmission kits, mount kits, clutch lines, brake kits, t-shirts, skateboards, hats, lighters damn we got it all we we actually have too much guys so if you can please come over and buy some stuff at downstarring.com or check us out at instagram at downstar make sure you give us a follow now back to the show yeah no definitely man yeah we when i was younger we used to go to um you know monday night raw smackdown and then some of the uh the pay-per-views i remember i went to wrestlemania 2000 uh, went to, in anaheim it was in anaheim wow and the ticket it was like yeah. this big it was huge yeah and yeah and i think uh wrestlemania is in la this coming year so if you know oh. as long as we can come out of this coronavirus situation yeah dude I've, I've been wanting to take my son he's not into wrestling at all but it's like I feel it's an it's experience, changed. dude. It has changed now. The you know the I think not so much the wrestling business, but I think the world around it. Meaning social media, news travels faster. People are a little bit more, you know, up to speed, and they feel like you know maybe like sports entertainment is more of a niche now rather than so much of a you know 
mainstream entertainment form. So it's, it's, I don't think the wrestling business has changed, but I think that nowadays kids have, you know, it's more of like a, um, like a niche audience versus so much like a, a widespread, yeah. you know, everybody in the world watches it. Now it's like more so there's a core fan base of wrestling fans. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and even though he doesn't watch it, I still want to take him one of these days just to experience well, it. You know, the thing is, dude, is even if you don't watch it or if you've never been, going and seeing it in person is totally different. Yeah. I mean, it's so incredible. I mean, you know, they have, uh, you know, saying, you know, in wrestling, if you're if people are fans or, you know, they kind of believe all the storylines, they, you know, would call them marks back in the day. And that was like comes from an old carny lingo because um, wrestling, you know, in the early days, it would be at carnivals or festivals and they'd pick up you know, some lingo from the carnies and stuff. And if a rich guy would come in and spend money on all the games, they'd put a chalk mark on him and they call him a mark, mm. you know? So that's kind of like gullible fan, this, that. So I go to the wrestling things. And I always tell people, man, I'm a total mark when I go to the wrestling events, you know? So I'll go to even, you know, shows that are just local shows that aren't WWC or WWF or WWE or WCW or any of that stuff. And just local promotions with, you know, a hundred or 200 people. I'll be screaming, <laughs> signs you know doing this and you know i i mark out harder than anyone oh, so hell i love yeah, dude. it's it's really fun in person it's different it's i tell people it's like hockey i i used to play hockey and i cannot watch hockey on tv but if you go to a hockey game in person it's electric it's so much fun that's funny that you say that because i was just thinking that right now it's it's just like hockey i don't watch hockey i've never played it but i've been to games and it's fun i don't even know what's going on yeah. I don't know how you get a yeah. touchdown in hockey or whatever, but it's fun to watch. The, pick, the puck looks about this big from. Yeah. I don't know. They're all just skating around. Hell yeah. Did you used to watch ECW? Oh, yeah. Oh, Dude. yeah. That, but that's the hardcore stuff. Man, some of it now as an adult, as a kid, I, I didn't you know understand it. But now as an adult, watching some of the stuff these guys would do, I'm like, Oh man, it makes my stomach turn. I'm like, holy cow. Definitely, man. Um, one match that's always stuck out to me. Um, I'll I'll watch it probably every year or so. I'll go to YouTube and just geek out on it. Is uh Mankind versus Undertaker, Hell in a Cell. Dude. That's the one, bro. That's that is like definition of like turn your stomach inside out extreme. Like mankind is just Mick Foley is, he's not human. He's another breed. Yeah. That guy is like a punching bag. You had a baby with another punching bag. That guy is so tough. Definitely, man. I always, uh, whenever I would talk to wrestling, to uh, talk wrestling to people, they would always just say it's fake. And I say, yeah, the storyline might be fake, but watch this. There's no right. way, there's no way to fake yeah. that. No, you don't get a tooth coming out of your nose and thumbtacks in your back and fake it. It's not makeup. Yeah. But, you know, it's they say, you know, a lot of the ending is predetermined or the storyline is predetermined. But, you know, the injuries and the athleticism and the intensity and everything on that end is real. You know, the um, the physicality of it is very real. Yeah. I mean, my dad just had his 10th back surgery. So if it was pretend, I guess he didn't get the memo. Ah, so when you when you would go to these events, would uh would you watch it from from the stands or would you be backstage or both? I kind of I would get kind of a pass where I could run back and see my dad or I could go out to some seats and kind of watch some of the matches or whatever. So I kind of would have both experience. I'd get to you know go and hang out, and then when it was time for my dad to work, I'd kind of go to my seats and watch and wait for him to come out, and then after he was done, I'd run back and hang out with him. 
That's cool, man. So you got to see backstage the guys that were just fighting each other, just hanging out and playing cards or something? Yeah, I mean, some sometimes yes, sometimes no. I mean, sometimes, you know, there's a, a guy who just, he'd go take a shit in somebody's wrestling bag and some guys would fight over it in the locker room. It's just got, you know, you know, locker room guy pranks and stuff. But there's times where, you know, the guys are, you know, they're all working together, but some guys really don't get along. And, you know, sometimes do not want to see each other, you know, backstage. Or sometimes, you know, they do get paired up in matches with two guys who really don't get along. And you really have to watch because, you know, some guys will throw a cheap shot and another guy tries to give them a receipt for it. And it's just, it can escalate from there and guys can really get out there and hurt each other. Did you know, um, like, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels? I've met them. I, I mean, I don't know them in a way of, like, Got you know, it. I wouldn't be able to call him up and say hello but you're not like uncle rick flair Woo! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brett's a nice guy so sean yeah because that that feud kind of seemed uh, a little real behind the scenes yeah i mean you know everyone's got disagreements and you know there's been people throughout the years that you know my dad's been friends with or guys my dad doesn't get along with but you know what's cool is all these guys as a kid you know not being associated with any of the you know business drama that's just test being wild uh, sorry, my dog is just at another. I don't even know if it's a dog. She's so crazy. <laughs> but, but there's guys that even as these guys were all gentlemen, even though if they didn't get along, you know, nobody would outwardly be, you know, rude to me or, you know, mean to a little kid running around or something, you know. So all those, all my experiences with most of the guys in the business has always been, you know, really nice. But half the time I was 10 years old. So, you know, hard to say. But any experience I've got or any memory I've got is all the wrestlers have always been professional and really nice guys. Very cool, man. Yeah, that was a huge part of my life, dude. I remember waiting for the mail to come in just to get that WWF magazine in the mail. That's fine. I remember waiting on my Super Street to come in every month. <laughs> I know, man. I, I wish that I would have got into cars a lot sooner, dude. Well, we were just talking about Dennis with uh, Max Yeah, Bruce. yeah, yeah. I had that I had the subscription to Import Tuner specifically just for the Max Boost comic. That's crazy, man. Yeah, so funny because that same day that we did the podcast, earlier in the day I was talking to you about this podcast, and then yeah. he ended up bringing you up on the podcast. I'm like, That's man, this is, this is crazy. This is a small world. Yeah, I got to reach out to him, man. I've been so busy. I haven't had a chance to reach out to him. I got to call him because you know what he did? He gave me the the print version the of the book of all the Max Boost, and he gave me one, signed it. And the night that I met up when met up with him, I had uh, I still had my R thirty five GTR at the time, and it had this crazy wide body kit on it. And he like sketched it when he sent me the book. He drew on the envelope like my GTR in Max Boost. I was like, what the fuck? It was so cool, man. It was like the coolest moment seeing my car like cartoonized for in by you know Max Boost. Yeah. You know. It was, it was really cool. I saved it. Dude, hell yeah. Yeah, you got to connect with him. He's a, he's a great guy, dude. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and that, that also was another, again, another one of the things that just led to the whole obsession of cars was, you know, the Max Boost and, you know, all the video games. And there was really, like, so now I look back on it and even the video games and stuff, like, there's some content that was put out that's almost, like, underappreciated. There's some stuff that, like, I wish some of the, you know, print really isn't, 
coming back. I don't think some of the stuff is was meant for that time, but I wish that some of that kind of like organic content would still come back and in a sense of like max boost or seeing a little bit more of like that JDM stuff in more like mainstream media and, and things like that. Yeah, it makes it really hard nowadays because the, everybody's attention span is so small, you know, and to do things like that, it takes a lot of work. And, it, and it's very expensive to run a business like that, and especially right. when, you know, people aren't paying for advertising or anything like that because they get free advertising online. Right. That was uh, that was a real shame to see, like, the demise of the, the, the print, you know? Yeah, and, you know, it's – it's um, I agree. Like, you know, Sam Du, um, like I said, I keep bringing him up. He's a good friend. You know, shout out Sam. But the um, – cover of the next super street that was going to come out was year of the supra and i saw that and i messaged him i was like man i know it's not a book that got printed but could you please 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 send me that cover you know a print yeah. of that cover so he did and he signed it and i got a print of what would have been the next issue oh, that never sick. came you know and um obviously it meant a lot to me because i've had my supra featured in super street before and i've had a different car of mine on the cover of super street and it was cool to get that and have it personalized, and it was uh, a very nice gift. Very cool, man. Yeah, Sam's a great guy, dude. Yeah, so, you know, and plus his Supra is really, really nice. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but his build on his Supra is fantastic, too. So I'm, like, sitting here, I've, I've got one of the new Supras also, and, you know, I've kind of been hesitant to do anything because I'm kind of one of those guys that's like, all right, let me see what everyone else breaks first, yeah. you know. And then – um you know, the cars are actually holding up really well. Like, nobody's really breaking anything too crazy, you know. Uh, but, you know, I'm still not sure what I want to do or what route I want to go with mine. But watching Sam just dive in head first, I was like, man, kudos to that guy. Because he jumped in right at the start of the release of this car. And his build came out, like, flawless and beautiful, too. Yeah, no, definitely a nice build. He knows how to build good cars. Um, is there any uh, other new Supras that you've been keeping an eye on? Any builds? Man, I honestly, I think too many to count. But you know what really caught my eye and was like, if I was gonna, you know, go balls to the wall, which the uh, the super, I drive it a lot, and you know, obviously, I have some of the other more extremely modified toys, like the older Supra, that's not as dailyable. Yeah. I guess anything's a daily if you, if you make it one. But on. I mean, anything's a daily. Shit, I drive it. I guess every day. Not, I'm not sure how far it'll go, <laughs> but yeah. But the um, you know, I really am. Um, been keeping an eye on uh some of the stuff coming out of japan and <clears throat> the uh tom's kit the trd concept wide body kit was really nice and then gretty had a car at sema which yeah. if i was gonna take any that was i mean with the way that you know it just had some of that classic jdm style how they took the intercooler from inside the plenum and went back to the intercooler in the front of the car and the transmission being the sequential and they kept the b58 motor which i really love the b58 it's awesome and it was just a really nice blend of like drift style build with kind of like old school theme meets new parts and new technology and that's definitely by far my favorite right now out of all of them i love all the drift cars that they're building but um oh frederick osbo's car that steph is building mm. is just unreal that is by far my favorite right now yeah that um the the gretty one that kenji did awesome that was my hands down favorite one at sema Same. but then seeing yep. the stuff that steph's doing and the breakdown and just all that it's insane but what what can you yeah. expect from him <laughs> i mean yeah you know i know right? 
you know, shout out Steph. And back the uh, like I said, back to Mopar Drift. The guy who was running that Mopar team was actually Sean Carlson. Yeah, rest, rest in, in peace. So, Sean, I was really close with Sean. We were like really good friends up until the end before he passed. And that's how I met Steph was because Sean and Steph built the Civic all those yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was just interesting to see how Steph progressed from doing, you know, drag racing to going into drift. And then he was driving the S2000 and now he's running the team and see, I mean, his knowledge is just irreplaceable. The guy has just got such a wealth of knowledge and experience. Just, it's almost like calming and therapeutic to watch his YouTube videos. Cause it's like, wow, it's like, that's what it would be like to build a car with no mistakes. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I was uh, actually talking to my wife about him the other day and I was like, I don't even know how to, how to explain him to you. Like one of the founders of this Honda community, that's this, Pretty much uh, one yeah, of the only yeah. ways to say it. Yeah, he's, I mean, as far as American tuners go, he's he's stuff of legend, that's for sure. She, uh, my wife, she actually, she's such an idiot. She just texted me right now. <laughs> I don't know if you can see this. She, she oh, God. Oh, I can only see, I know that's me. I can't see much more than that. That's probably I'll my friend. To you. Hood gone wild. She, I don't know where, where this picture was at. It was in Sunset Terrace and Thousand Oaks or something. I don't know. Oh, I, I might have been DJing a place there called Bogey. Yeah, that, that's where oh. it was at. It was at Bogey. Yeah. Oh, man. She's so dumb. That's She's funny. helping me out at the shop right now. <laughs> she knew I'd get a kick oh, out of that. Cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, have you seen the, uh, the stuff they're saying about the new Z coming out? No. Dude, so I just saw some report the other day. The new Z is called a 400z and they're using the new twin turbo motor that they've got in the q50 or the q60 and oh, it's supposedly some 400 horsepower twin turbo v6 and kind of like retro 240 280z styling and it's all nissan it's i mean i love the supra but i wish it was all toyota yeah. but yeah the new z is is going to be all nissan I have a Z, like I said, I have my drift car still, and I mean, the Z chassis is just unreal, so I'm really excited to see what happens with the new Z. Is it three, yours is a 350 or 370? 350. 350, got it. Uh, everyone always asks, is it DE or HR? It's a DE motor, and it's stroked to 4.2 liter, and it's got twin turbos on it, and uh, it'll do about 630 to the wheels on pump gas. God damn, do you ever take it to the strip and just light it up? No, you know what's crazy is like I've you know I've never really been like the drag race guy because I'm like my cars are always set up to blow the tires off them through fourth gear and I'm like all right like am I gonna go buy slicks really? <laughs> well, I guess I could just go do a 14 second burnout. Yeah. So. So. Yeah, but you know I'll have some fun with the cars here and there and you know the thing is um, I mentioned the R35 I've owned a couple of different GTRs here and there and. That's like the one thing that's really different or has been really different for me because my primary experience has always been rear-wheel drive cars. I've always been attracted to rear-wheel drive stuff. And then, you know, the GTRs was just kind of like jumping into a whole different ballgame. And it's, it really gave me an appreciation for all-wheel drive. And, you know, that's something that I could see myself doing or taking to the drag strip, even though they say, you know, in, in Japan, drag racing died or it's only alive here, this or that. But you know, GTRs is just, you know, you're not really fighting those traction issues. Yeah. You know, it's like 
I guess, yeah, when you build a 2,000 horsepower one, yeah, you're going to break all four tires loose. But if you're just trying to go run a 10, 11 second quarter mile, there's really not that much prep that you'd have to put into a GTR because you're getting so much advantage from the all-wheel drive system. So you're not really running a, a tractor set up, big tire in the rear, skinnies in the front, and you know stuff like that. So I think if I was going to go down that route, I'd probably know what I would use. I probably wouldn't be taking the Supra to this trip. I'd probably go in a GTR, but it's something that, you know, you never know. I'm, I'm close to Vegas Motor Speedway, so don't tempt me. Yeah, right. It's right there, huh? Dude. Yeah, it's cool. Hell yeah. The all-wheel drive stuff is awesome, man. Um, it's, it's started to uh, get popular in the Honda community in the last few years, and some of these builds that these guys are doing, it's insane. They're already into the sevens, like no problem. <laughs> People don't know how fast that yeah. is. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, a, I have a M4, BMW M4 with a full exhaust, JB4 tuner and everything. And that car right. doesn't even get into the 11s. And that car's fast, yeah. like for the street. Fast. Yeah. Sevens, yeah, I, I can't even, I can't even, con like, think what it would feel like to do a set yeah it, it at one point in time my uh my mark four supra was making like 800 something to the wheel and it was so rowdy it was like the car coming into boost would just jump lane it was just so violent and at the time turbo technology hadn't really progressed that much and the power band was like an on off switch it was like you know lag 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 boost <laughs> and it was now you know now i've dialed it back and the car makes around 550 to the wheel with um a new technology thanks to Renetics. and um it's way more fun the power band's like way more linear and yeah it doesn't have that like frightening terrifying feeling when you're going all out but at the same time it's a little bit more fun to be able to yeah. put your foot into something and it's predictable that the car is not going to go seven different directions when it comes into boost you know so i mean for that kind of power even the car's really got to be set up right and that's not it's kind of like for a street car you know something that you want to be all around usable and be able to take turns and do this and that and you know, there's a balance that you have to have. And I mean, power, sometimes people get too, you know, eluded by this goal or power that they're trying to achieve and they lose sight of the balance of what their car can actually do. And, you know, a lot of times people will kind of end up with um, something they're not happy with yeah. because they didn't, they might have lost sight of what the goal was you know yeah definitely so with the new supra that you have um how do you feel about that platform dude it's unbelievable um that's the first thing that came to my mind when you asked me just now it's unbelievable and i really i was obviously drawn in by the look of it at first because it it brought back kind of that supra vibe the big hips mm -hmm. and like kind of the body lines and stuff it felt like a Supra. There's been a lot of stuff that reminds me of a Supra or, oh, that's kind of got the same body line. But this one was the, like the first time that I really looked at it and my brain accepted it as the new Supra. I was like, holy shit, there it is, you know. And I was hooked on it just by the way it looked. And then um, after I drove it, I bought one without even driving it. You yeah. know, I just grabbed it. I was just so stoked. I just didn't even care. I mean, it could have drove like a piece of crap. I would have still loved it. But, you know, driving it, was almost like the car could have looked like crap and I would have loved it because it drives so good. You know, the car's so balanced and it's so fun to drive and it's so nimble and it's honestly, it feels, you know, a little bit more tossable or a little bit more confident than the older Supras, but it does, um, 
it rotates a little bit. You know, if you turn off all the stability and stuff like that, it is, I can see why people are loving it for a drift platform because it does like to slide. I mean, it gets tail happy. So, you know, it's definitely, I have noticed a lot more oversteer than uh, like understeer or front end push with it. So it makes it really fun just to cruise around and stuff. It's not, it doesn't feel like you're dragging the front end around. It's like a really well-balanced car. I, I love the way it performs. Yeah. How do you feel about stock it's fast like i don't care what anyone says it's fast 350 or 360 horsepower in a 3000 3200 pound car is pretty damn quick i still haven't driven one I, i'd love to try one out but uh don't get me wrong it's not frightening but it's really fun how do you feel about the motor being a bmw motor you know i can't i can't deny dude it's it's a good one i mean everyone has complaints about how they did this or how they did that or this technology or that technology but there's also other reasons why that's a benefit, but you know BMW, it's it's hard to do. They make really good inline six motors. I mean, they do. Yeah. You know, anyone that tells you they don't hasn't seen the right ones because they, you know, there's been a history of the N blocks and the B blocks and all that stuff that BMW people are running BMW motors in drift cars, in race cars, and they perform. They do well for an inline six, and you know, I you know I would rather have a Supra with an inline six turbo than configuration because there's you know whether the block says this that or whatever it's still the layout is an inline six turbocharged engine and i like the feeling of that and this one it's i mean it's good dude guys are making six seven hundred horsepower on these stock motors you know and it's like i don't want any more than that now. you know i mean i've had the 800 horsepower street car and it's much it's not fun so for me you know people ask what's your power goal i said Honestly, I'm probably not even going to do a turbo. I'm probably just going to tune it for around 450 or 500 horsepower. And, you know, my green Supra is now 550 at the wheel, and that's really fast. So it's like, I mean, it's more than you need to cruise around and, you know, have fun or go to a track day. And, you know, unless you're really trying to set records or, you know, move your way through some kind of motorsport, there's really no need to push it further than that just to have a good time in a weekend car. So the motor's great you know toyota does not make an inline six anymore so you know the tooling and fabrication and r&d to even come up with a new inline six just one car wasn't there yeah so i mean i think it went to whatever was the next best available option and if it weren't for that there probably wouldn't have been the partnership with bmw but i think that it was non-negotiable to have an inline an inline six turbo drivetrain because that's just one of the characteristics of a Supra that the 2JZ was such an attachment or such a legendary thing that came out of the Supra that I think they wouldn't have had as much support from former or older Supra owners like myself if it came with a V8 or this or that. And it'd be cool, but it's like, yeah, a V8 twin turbo would have a lot more potential, but it wouldn't scratch that itch for me where I'm looking mm -hmm. at it and I'm going, yeah, Supra. Gotcha. You know what I mean? It's just, all right, cool. You know, it's just, you know, V8 twin turbo or this or that. And I really enjoy it. You know, I think it was the right choice. And a lot of people argue, but, you know, although a lot of the people that don't believe in it or whatever, they kind of aren't, you know, even people who support the car. So it's yeah. kind of like the guys who support the car are the ones who feel that that was the right motor for it. Yeah, no, definitely. I saw a lot of stuff popping up when that, that car first came out about the motor. And it just, it really didn't even register to me much. It's not like BMWs are shit motors. Like, Right. It's a great motor for sure. I mean, thing is, they're they're expensive right now. The parts for those motors are expensive. It's relatively new. It hasn't been around for 25, 30 years like the Jay Z motors yeah. and stuff. And they're not 
as many of them just laying around in you know engine importer yards and stuff like that. But the time, if the time ever does come where a B fifty eight is widely available, don't be surprised if you start seeing people B fifty eight swap stuff because yeah. on a stock motor you can go make six hundred something horsepower, you know, with minimal minimal effort and minimal modification. So. If that motor ever does come to a price point where it's affordable for people who are making or building project cars or something like that, I wouldn't be surprised to see that being a common swap, like how the Jay-Z has become. Yeah, definitely. So tell me about uh, your GTR. GTR. Um, so I sold the R35. Um, I've still got an older GTR now, an uh, RB26 powered car, and it's stock and... Um, I love it. You know, they're, they're really cool cars. And what's interesting about that is a lot of people, you know, cause I'm known also as for Supras or my Supra that I've had forever. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of people, when they see that I will mess with GTR stuff is kind of like, Hey, how, you know what, how do you feel about it? What do you think? And it's like, realistically, it's, they're more similar than they're not really the all wheel drive just kind of gives it that a different confidence with the turn in or going into corners or being able to accelerate out of corners differently with the all wheel drive that is something that's really special and really unique to that car. But aside from that, kind of like the, you know, the legacy GTRs, like the RB26 powered cars, it's really similar. You're talking about, you know, a 0.4 of difference in displacement of 2.6 liter to 3 liter. And it's twin turbo and makes around 300-ish horsepower. And, you know, inline six, It's they feel very similar gotcha. in terms of driving and you know, the Supra and the R34 shared the same transmission. So even people who compare those two, you know, the um, the transmission, even shifting, if you close your eyes, you don't know if you're shifting a Skyline or a Supra. Mm. It's the same transmission, you know. So it's they're really similar, and <clears throat> they're cool cars. And what's interesting about that is I've, um, through GTRs and especially the R35, I got to know a whole different crowd and group of people in the tuner community because uh, Hiroshi Tamura, who's the uh, – chief of GTR development now, and he was the product planner for the R34. I became friends with him. Like I mentioned yeah. before, we're talking about the the legacy or the heritage parts program. And, you know, we had conversations about that way before that came out. But, you know, just getting to know people like that and, you know, getting closer with guys like Sean Morris, because I, I used to, I'd meet Sean Morris back when I was like 13 or 12 running around Nopi Nationals. And I was like, and he was the Skyline guy. And we just became friends. And it's cool, you know, to have something in common to connect with more people in the industry that you haven't been able to connect with them on before. So sharing knowledge, ideas, and cool stuff like that is uh, something that the GTR really opened up for me. And the R35 is such a fantastic car. I definitely will have to get another one soon. Yeah, dude, I, I love that car, man. I've never driven one before. I, I really want to. But uh, just, just you'll be hooked. You'll be hooked, bro. Don't don't do it to yourself. You'll get hooked quick, man. There's, it's you know I used to drive it around a lot, and the only issue that I had is that I bought an early production car like an 09, and I kept having the transmission gotcha. failures. And at the time, there wasn't as much you know development and as many you know options for replacement parts, and it was like either hey buy a new trans for sixteen thousand bucks. Or send yours out to get rebuilt for ten, and it's like I could have bought a turbo kit and an engine management system and this and that, and yeah. you know, been making six hundred horsepower in my line or my. You know, yeah. it was hard for me to justify continuing to spend that kind of money for. It was 
you know, it wasn't delivering much more than I would get out of like a tuned Supra or something. They're great and it had a lot of like, you know, I think the transmission is really fun if you've got the right one and they're great cars, they're great performers and they're really great touring cars. Like get in it and drive long distances and stuff. They're fantastic. But, you know, to justify the price of the GTR tax or the parts or whatever it costs, I just couldn't keep spending the money when I was looking at my Supra or any of the other type of tuner stuff I had that it's like, you know, a clutch for that is a grand, a clutch for GTRs, you know, everything was double or triple, even exhaust systems, you know, the nicest HKS exhaust system for a Supra is like a thousand bucks. I mean, you buy one for a GTR, it's like $3,500. It's like, you know, so I just got to a point where it's a cool car, but I just felt like the money I was spending for my car hobby was better spent on 90s JDM. Yeah, no, I feel you. You never got into Hondas? You know what, dude? I'm, I've am i never owned a Honda. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that it's always been around me, and I've always had this dream of before, like, the whole death cart thing and all those, like, carts came out. I always had this dream of, like, building an NA Honda with, like, less than 200 horsepower and just stripping it like a go-kart yeah. and like not doing like the death cart looking thing, but like just fully stripped and just for fun. Cause a buddy of mine had one and it was just, they're so fast. Now my neighbor here in Vegas has like six or seven civics outside his house. And one of them has this turbo this big sitting in the front bumper and the car runs like eight no or shit. something. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's crucial creations crew. I don't know if you ever no. heard of them or whatever, but they're like Honda guys out here in Vegas, and these guys, I mean, they've come over to help me with my stuff. You know, they, they're just really smart, wise, cool guys, and every time I go over there, I'm looking at his hatchbacks and stuff, and I'm like, I need one of these. And, like, he had a uh, Integra GSR there the other day. It was just a shell without a motor, and he's like, 500 bucks. I'm like, don't do this to me, bro. I'm like, I need something like this now. He's like, yo, I'll just throw the engine there in There you go. You. I'm like, stop. <laughs> Yeah. they're fun man they go together like legos bro those cars are awesome i worked on a couple i i did uh pulled the motor and dropped the motor on a on a i don't know a type r of some kind i'm not the honda yeah. expert but it was a type r it was it was easy it was like i've been you know pulling two j's and rb26s my whole life and like my buddy and i did it and he's like there it is it was like legos so i was like wait it's done he's like yeah just tighten that bolt i was like <laughs> this is cool yeah and evos and wrx's too i've never had one of those and i've always i drove an evo and it was one of the most fun things i've ever driven it's very much like driving a gtr but the evo is even more like a go-kart than a gtr it's crazy the evos are so fun to drive yeah no definitely the i i kind of fell in love with the evos on i think it was like too fast too furious Oh yeah, yeah, the Evo Seven. Yeah, that was it was dope, man. But uh, that was cool. Yeah, was before they even brought them over here, that was awesome. Yeah, um, I never, I never had one. I've just pretty much just got Hondas, dude, and just stuck with that. Like as far as modding wise, right? But that's what's so cool about it is it like I've kind of jumped around and I've done this chassis or that chassis or whatever else. But like sticking with the Honda thing, that's your brand. And especially with Downstar, I mean, that's like, you are so rooted in that Honda community that it's like, you have a support system that you don't find with any other brand. I mean, GTR has got a lot of passionate fans. Super 
Supras is really like a cult following too, but the Honda fan base and the Honda group and the Honda guys are like something I've never, ever seen before. Like these, like I know like groups of guys in New York, they do Honda stuff and guys in Florida, they do Honda stuff. And it's like, these guys are like concrete, bro, die hard Honda forever. So it's, it's cool to see. And even a, a friend of mine with a big turbo Supra, he's got like a little hatch that he runs around in and he's like, it's my favorite car to drive. He's like, this car will run nine seconds. I'm like looking at it, and he's like, I'm like, what? He's like, I'm like, man, there's too many people telling me to get into it, telling me to, you know, pull the trigger on a Honda. So one day, uh, it's gonna I'm happen. I'm gonna be another one. Get a Honda. <laughs> yeah. More peer pressure. Yeah, for sure, dude. So, um, getting off cars a little bit. Uh, tell me about your uh, your new merch line that you're coming out with. Oh, cool. The plug. There you go. Boom. So I have, um, you know, a kind of a throwback to my dad's Hulkamania stuff. I, I wanted to create kind of a project that him and I could work on together now. So I created this concept called Mania Garage, which is like a nod to his former brand. And right now we've done uh, one drop of merch, which is all Supra related stuff, which was, you know, ripping the Supreme logo and just putting Supras on it and, you know, stuff like that. Just fun stuff that, you know, people that are car guys would think is cool that, you know, I'd rather wear something that said Supras than Supreme. Yeah. So why not? And, you know, we have some other ideas. We're going to do some Skyline related stuff and we're going to do some stuff with my dad, kind of like a Hollywood's Hot Rods type thing with, you know, some Hemi themed stuff. And there's some uh, merch on the site with got, you know, my Supra on the shirt or a hoodie with it on the back or just all kind of car related stuff. And it's been really cool because I've had a lot of opportunities in the past um, to talk with people about kind of making my own parts or doing this and that. I, I've never really, I've had ideas, but never really known what I want to do or had a home for it. But now even creating the merch line kind of gives me that web presence and that home to start with something like that. Whereas if I did a collab with, you know, for example, Downstar, we did a hardware collab or something like that. It gives me a place to put it or to present yeah. it as mine. So I've been talking to a couple of people about some carbon fiber parts and doing some development for, you know, nothing groundbreaking, nothing really, you know, I'm not trying to re uh, you know reinvent the wheel or, you know, create the new this or that, but just something that, you know, there is a void in the marketplace, something that kind of scratches that itch for, you know, people who, you know, are looking for something. There's a lot of stuff for my Supra that I wish I could get in carbon fiber. And I don't know where it's, I don't know where to get it. I've never seen it. I've never, you know, so just little things that I feel personally are missing from the community or things that people would appreciate is kind of what my next step is and working on. And just getting the merch out there is just something that even if you can't, afford you know to buy a carbon fiber front lip or you can't do this or that but you still like it and you want to support there's stuff on the site that you know you can have or wear or you know support and be a part of that you know group of mania garage or support that whatever it is if you like those cars or if you're into it or whatever it's just kind of like a unique way to you know express yourself through you know car merch got you got you do you want to have more of a presence in the car community yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is, it's like, like I do because it's so it's always been in my life since I was a kid, you know, and then when I started doing music stuff, I got so, so, so immersed in music and, you know, doing stuff like that and DJing that <clears throat> I was always just doing cars in my spare time or like, oh, you know, I finally got time to go out to the garage and do this and that. And it's always been something that like. I have so many friends like yourself or people that I know in the car community that I feel like there's so much more I could do or so much more I could be involved. Yeah, and sometimes I'll go, you know, host car shows and stuff. And it's just so fun for me to get to 
do stuff like that. It's different than music. It's different than DJing. And it's like really fun because there's so much history there for me and so many people that I run into at car shows or drift events that I haven't seen in years. And I would like to have a little bit more presence in the car community. And, you know, obviously just, you know, looking for my own space there and just kind of somewhere for, you know, me to do my own thing and connect with people that I like and people I'd like to work with and stuff like that. Do you feel like it's hard for you to um, to make your own kind of na- name and legacy? Um, yes and no. I mean, I think in general, like if I was going to be a wrestler, yes. You know, if I was, you know, going to wrestle, it's one of those things where, you know, it's kind of like, am I going to blaze a new trail or am I going to go try and recreate my dad body slamming the giant yeah. or this or that? Whereas cars, you know, it's always kind of been my own thing and, you know, my dad loves cars as a hobby, but as far as my involvement with drifting and, you know, everything else and getting involved with car meets and car shows and stuff like that, and even music, it's, you know, I don't know if it's so much about creating my own legacy or my own this or that, but it's just, I've always kind of, you know, been on this path to be my own person or do my own thing. And even if I wasn't trying to, you know, go and set myself apart from my dad or create my own brand or something like that, it's just, even if that never happened, I'm still going to go mess with my cars because I like it. Yeah. You know, I still want to, you know, DJ tunes in my studio because I like it. So I just kind of do the stuff I like and whatever gravitate towards me. And if it works out, it works out. If people like it and they recognize me for it, cool. If not, I still am having fun. So Yeah, no, definitely, no. man. That's um, I feel that that's the best thing to have is like a hobby, you know, a hobby and a yeah. passion because a lot yeah. of people don't even have that. You know, so if you have a hobby and you have a a passion and you have somewhere that you can put your energy towards, uh, just do it. And whatever pops out on the other end, I mean, who knows, you know, but it could turn into something huge. Yeah. And, you know, that's it's kind of like I notice a lot of the people who don't have a hobby or don't have a passion are the people who kind of hate on the people who do have one. It's kind of like, you know, it's it's whereas I realize like me. You know, I sometimes I'll find myself, you know, talking shit or doing this and I'll catch myself like, all right, I'm just being a dick. You <laughs> yeah. Know? You know, for the most part, you know, it's hard for me to look at somebody doing good and hate on it or something because I, I'm so passionate about my own stuff that I'm doing. And I'm so excited about my own stuff that it's hard for me to even care about what anyone else is doing you know, or what everyone else is focusing on or unless it influences me or I'm sitting there and I'm entertained by it, you know, um, it's just different you know i guess i I feel like it's um the cars serves its purpose for me and so does the music whereas the cars i always tell people cars is like really really easy for me for some reason i just i get it it clicks i'm somewhat mechanically inclined and it's just i can you know i know that i just i'm so obsessed with it that it just comes really easy i don't have to try and you know think of what this is or that or who did that it's just it's like i have this like encyclopedia of car information in my head for no reason whereas music stuff was more of a learning curve i was passionate about it you know and it was not so much of a a hobby it was more of a passion where i was like eager to learn and I, i was intrigued by it and it was almost like something that didn't come as naturally to me or something that didn't come as easy to me so it was much more effort to learn and to become good at whatever it was I was doing in music. Whereas cars was almost like, I'm so obsessed with it already. It's like, shoot, you know, I just could stay doing that all day without any effort, you know? So 
it's cool to have both to have like when I'm burnt out on music and you know, all the effort that that takes, I go in the garage and that's comes so easy that it's just effortless. I can sit there and, you know, work on my car or do this or that, or, you know, look online for some parts or, you know, something like that. Or if I'm feeling uninspired or I'm kind of, you know, feeling lazy, I'm like, all right, I've been turning wrenches all day or I'm doing this or that. Like, let me go get inspired. I'll just hop in the studio and, you know, turn on the fan and turn the lights down and start making some cool beats. And they kind of work together in that sense where they kind of complement each other. When I'm tired of this, I, you know, this kind of yeah. saves it or they, I bounce between the two really well now. Very cool, dude. So as far as music goes, do you find yourself just gravitating more towards, you know, uh, like dubstep and um, that type of music? Or do you listen to hip hop, yeah, you know, rap as well? Or In general, yeah, it's, it's primarily electronic stuff. And like electronic is such a wide genre. Technically, a lot of hip hop is electronic because they're not live instruments being played, mm -hmm. you know? So it is through a, a beat machine or some kind of electronic drum machine or something. So a lot of say EDM, it, that's dance music and dance music has been around since before electronic music. So there's kind of like this description, which I'm not like a, a genre snob, but like, I'm kind of like, I like to just say electronic in general because, you know, it's like I like hip hop and sometimes I'll sit there and I'll just make hip hop beats and shoot them out to different people who I think would like it or want to work on it or something. And then you know, sometimes it's fucking dubstep <laughs> or, you know, other times it's like, hey, I just want to make like a loungy beat to chill by at the pool or something. And it kind of goes all over. So it is primarily electronic, though. I, I like my girl loves country music. I can appreciate it, but it's it's not something that I would just put on by myself to listen to, you know. Okay. So it is definitely electronic driven. I think everything I'm doing in music right now. Got you. I was listening to one of the tracks that you had and it was a Dead Prez sample. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. So so say with a song like that, I've never got into to music as far as making music. Yeah. Are you able to get the Dead Prez song and break it down all the way to each each sample, each instrument, each vocal, and then pull apart what you want and don't? Or how does that work? It depends. So each each song like that, you'd separate it into what they call stems of like you have the drums or you have the guitars and you have the vocals. And a lot of times if you do like an official remix for someone, they will send you those parts and they have to do that. You can't just take a song and break it down from just one file. They have to send you individual files of each stem that you can work with and go from there. Whereas like I think uh, Dead Prez was a bootleg, so it wasn't official. So I just took the song and just chopped into it and started doing my own thing to it from there. And uh, same with like the Drake bootleg, but the, um, like the Rick Ross remix was official. And so they sent me all the stems for that. So it just kind of depends um, which song it is, or if I have the, you know, license or if I have the okay or the agreement from whoever owns the record to send me the stems or to grant me that, that remix. But in general, <clears throat> a lot of the stuff I'll write that's like my own original stuff, you know, I'm creating from scratch. I'm, you know, putting my own drums, putting my own sounds, putting my own vocals, doing this and that and doing all the engineering and arranging myself and everything else. <clears throat> so it just kind of depends what I'm working on. You know, a lot of times, like I said, my original stuff is all from scratch. Some of the bootleg remixes are just chop into and sometimes you can find the parts online like there's some acapellas or just vocals online that are floating around that maybe someone's engineer leaked or somebody found a hard drive that had the shit on it or whatever but <clears throat> each one is kind of unique just depends on what you're working on so if you have uh are you familiar with photoshop 
Okay, yeah. so on Photoshop, you have all the layers. Would that be yep. like the stems of the song? Pretty much. Yeah, it's, that's a good way to look at it. You, I mean, you'd say, you know, tracks or channels or, you know, whatever. So you could, you know, like in Photoshop, you have a, a layer for this. If you're putting text here and a, a light here and a, you know, effect here and a light reflection or this, that, you have all the layers. It's pretty much the same making music and it's it's linear you have like a like a grid view yeah. as as time goes on and you can see which parts are playing at what time what program do you use i use ableton uh, i've used a program called pro tools and another one called logic before but i seem to have the best flow in one called ableton it looks like windows 98 it's like really like clunky looking but the flow it's almost really intuitive it's like the only one that you know, if you're trying to achieve this, it's where you would think it is. Other ones, it's like some weird, you know, yeah. back end menu. And this, it's like almost too much of a, a stop in the workflow to achieve what I'm doing. So Ableton is, is kind of like a godsend for me. And you have a studio at your house? Yeah, let's see if I can drag you back there. My, my chick made it really cool. Yeah. The dogs are in there, right? All right, my dogs might bark at us. Hold on. My studio. What, babe? Okay, I got to turn light. So we did this studio. It's uh, my girl made it all like glow in the dark, uh, black light stuff. And she took an idea from the Gone in sixty Seconds movie, how they had the list of cars on the wall in black light. Oh shit! Yeah. So I don't know if you can see it in here, but this is the uh, the studio setup. <laughs> and on the wall, we have like a. Oh, I see it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's hard to see with on the camera, but. You know, it's it's cool in here. It's real like vibey and black lights and all kinds of stuff. So, what are the list on the on the wall? The list is stuff with it we want to get. Oh, nice. Let's go down the list. We got. uh, Let's see. We got them. You can see them now a little better. We got ninety five MR two, ninety five RX seven, seventy one Hemi Cuda, seventy Roadrunner, ninety four Bronco. 94 Diablo, nah. was that? Uh, 90 300ZX, an 89 Supra Mark III, a 90 Testarossa, and an 87 Grand National. Hell yeah! No Civic. Boy, I gotta put a Civic. On 92 the Civic. Put a 90. <laughs> put a 92, 92 Civic. <laughs> Dude, that's sick. Now, um, I remember back in the day, uh, maybe like last year or so, weren't you doing a podcast? Yeah, you know, so I was working um, over at Dash Radio mm -hmm. in uh, in Hollywood, and I was doing, I was handling their electronic music department and programming their, um, overseeing all the channels on, on their electronic music station or all their electronic music channels, and then uh, programming one of the heavier electronic channels myself called Electro City, and I was doing my own radio show there and pretty much having guests there every week and. As Dash grew and I got busy, I really felt the need to come here to Vegas and I still contribute over there and submit stuff and I still have a couple of the shows that I had put on air. What, babe? Oh, yeah. But I still have um, some of the stuff that I submitted there is still playing on air and a lot of the stuff that I did there is still <clears throat> going on their channels. But um, I just had a meeting with them. I told them, I said, hey, guys, I can't come into the studios and, you know, get in the computer and run the channels and stuff anymore. I'm going to be going to Vegas and I'll try to help the most I can remotely, but yeah. I'm not in the studio there every day doing the, uh, the podcast anymore, but it was, it was fun and it's still there and it's, you know, I get still fired up. I have all the podcast stuff here and my girl's going to be doing her own podcast stuff too. 
I'll jump in there. I'm, I always tell her I'm not going to clog up her podcast, but, you know, I'll jump on Oh, there she's going to start a pod? You know, the thing is because, like, she's had so many offers to do it because she's, you know, really well known for her work in, you know, adult entertainment industry. Yeah. So a lot of people want her to do some kind of, like, a podcast about, like, adult stuff or this or that. And the thing is that, yeah, that's cool, but that's kind of what's expected yeah. where it's, like, she's got so many other interests and so many other things that she does and so many other business ventures that she's working on that she kind of doesn't want to limit herself to only talking about that Definitely. stuff. So we've been conceptualizing a lot of different ideas for what it's going to be. And uh, I think we got a pretty cool lock on it. And it's just going to be like really just her in general, everything that's just, she's got going on and stuff that her, you know, her friends are doing and all kinds of stuff. So very cool. we're working on it. Yeah, no, definitely. I encourage anybody to start a podcast, man. I, I love podcasting and it's a way to get your voice out there especially if you're somebody that people will put you in a box you know like for myself people thought of me as just a honda guy and a guy that would just do nuts and bolts you know so they expected the podcast to be just about that but no this is right. about everything that i'm interested in i want to talk to people that i'm interested in and if they're into cars cool but if they're not then cool too you know yeah it's cool your podcast has such a variety of guests and it's Thank like you. even the guests that you have on are, are I mean, like, there's people that you have that, like, never even realized that I wanted to hear from, but I saw, I'm like, wow, I've got to hear that. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, it's exciting, you know, the, the trail you're blazing as far as the community we're in with your podcast. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Are you, uh, are you a fan of podcasts? Yeah, you know, the problem. I just have so much shit going on all the time. I, like, unless I play it on through the whole house on every speaker, yeah. like I don't sit still or sit somewhere alone to listen to more than like 10 minutes of something. So it's like, if I do, I have to like listen to it in chunks, you know, but I do like it. You know, it's just hard for me to find the time to sit down and, you know, for like an hour to just listen to the stuff I want to listen to. By that time, shoot, my dogs are going crazy or something else I got to work on in the studio or who knows, you know? I feel you, man. Yeah. Dude, so before we get out of here, I got to uh, I got to get some uh, some feedback from you, man. You've been through a lot of stuff in your yep. life. You've grown up in the public eye. Always have TMZ asking you questions, and you always just have very positive mentality to you. Um, what what advice would you give to people to you know overcome the negativity? People people saying things about you and. And just to be able to come out on the other end in a, in a, in a positive light. Hey, hey, come on. Come on, come on. Yeah, the, uh, hold on. Let me walk outside. My dogs are going <laughs> no to Yeah, I got, I heard your question though. The, uh, basically, you know, if I had to say, you know, for people that are even facing any kind of adversity, you know, I mean, I, I was really lucky and, you know, I've had a really, really blessed opportunity for even my life in general with my family and my friends and everybody treating me the way they treat me the people who love me really take great care of me and you know I've just I've been through whatever it is I've been through for whatever reason it was to learn my lessons and the thing is that you know things last forever and somebody's projecting something ugly onto you it probably means that they have their own stuff to deal with you know and you just kind of have to take a step back and observe the big picture and say you know what is it worth me defending something that I might be wrong or right? Or is it worth me, you know, taking offense to something that they probably don't mean? Or, you know, it's just one of those things that I think um, you always have to keep the big picture in perspective. And you always have to kind of think about what is the end result that you want. And 
is are the actions that you're taking or the steps that you're taking or the things you're doing going to result in that outcome. So I think, you know, I've been, like I said, when I was young, got picked on by Perez Hilton and, you know, all these blogs and people. And it's like, you know, that stuff is just words. It's just, you know, you hear it. And at some point, you know, you hear so much of it or you get so used to it or so tired of it that it, it loses its value. Yeah. And when people say things that are ugly or nasty to you that you've heard before, you're like, you know what? It's not true. Or you know the truth. Or you know that, you know, maybe somebody just has the wrong idea and it's not your job to go and correct everybody's opinion about you. You know, that's, you know, if they're, you know, that's what they form, that's what they form. You know, you can only do what you can do and you can only go and take all the action that you can take. So anytime I have an opportunity or whatever, I always, you know, try and look at the best outcome or look at the positive in it. I don't really get anything out of being negative or seeing the glass half empty. It just leads me to more half empty stuff. So I try to, um, look at everything positive because, you know, there might not be anything else during the day that's as good as that. So you got to take what you can get. Dude, I love it, man. That's some great advice. I know a lot of younger people listen to this podcast and with social media being a big part of their life that it wasn't uh, as big of a part of our life when we were growing up makes things a lot harder to deal with um, with negativity and maybe when you know something some bad stuff would happen to them and it gets out online and it happens all the time you know and these poor people they they just don't know how to handle it because you're just getting attacked yeah. so much and that's uh that's definitely a great yeah. way to look at it man yeah, it's, I think that's that's probably the best period on the end of the sentence is that, you know, you, you only have control over what you do and what you say. You don't have control over anyone else's actions or voice. And, you know, you can only if you choose to go and make bad choices or do something then you can't blame other people for, you know, spreading the news about something you did. I mean, you chose to do it or that was your choice. And even if you knew better or didn't know better, maybe you learned from it. and Maybe it's something that you had to learn or whatever, but it's, it's too hard to figure out why this or why that happens. You just have to kind of go about every day and put the best foot forward that you can. I love it, man. So before we get out of here, what can we expect from you with, uh, the next of 2020? Well, I don't even know 2020, let's say 2021 because 2020 is kind of a wrap. Yeah, I was gonna say, well, if, if I get out of my house before, <laughs> you know, um, you know, just more music. You know, I'm, I'm actually going to be doing more car stuff. Um, got a lot of cool stuff. I want to have some fun with my Supra and, oh, yeah. you know, maybe do some stuff to the new one. And my girl's got her twin turbo Challenger build coming up. And the car stuff, there will be plenty of car stuff. And we got a new camera. We're going to make an effort to put more content out with the cars. And the music is just, um, it's going good. So those uh, new tracks I told you about that are kind of car themed, those should be coming out in the next uh, couple months, Sweet. probably over the summer. And then yeah that's it so just more music and cars and i'm really going to make an effort to put more of the content of it out there because that's i think my downfall is that i uh i'm so busy doing all this and that that i forget to get the content or take the videos or make the you know stuff that for people to check it out and see it so awesome man well we definitely like to see more of it i want to see uh more of this uh the brand as well too mania garage i think that that would be really really cool mixture oh, yeah. of everything yeah, we got a, a new drop coming up that we're going to put out this summer, some Skyline theme stuff and more car stuff, things with my dad and all that. So I'll keep you posted and I'll send you a box over Hell there. Hell yeah. And let me know when the uh, when the concert series opens up at um, at your pops' restaurant too. I'm down to go check that out. 
Oh, yeah, Hogan's Beach. You'll be on the list first. <laughs> Dope, man. So before we get out of here, Nick, where can everybody find you at? Cool. Instagram is uh, at Nick Hogan. There is Nick Hogan for real with a four. Uh, most importantly, com slash jackpot XXX, um, J-A-K. So that's uh, so SoundCloud, right? Link. Yeah, SoundCloud. And I've got the Spotify jackpot, and I've got a Nick Hogan Spotify. So I'm everywhere, you know, Facebook, this and that, but primarily Instagram and SoundCloud. Okay, let me let me write that down again. Uh, SoundCloud, because it kind of cut down. SoundCloud.com slash what? J-A-K. J-A-K. P-O. Okay, cool. Yeah, check out Perfect. I'll have the link below. You guys check it out. Make sure you check out the uh, Instagram for Mania Garage as well, right? Yeah, at uh, Mania Garage is an underscore between all the letters. Okay, perfect, dude. I'll give you the link so you can pop them up on there. Awesome. Nick, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it, brother. Dude, Frank, thank you for having me on, man. Long time coming. It was a blast. Thank you, thank you. And a uh, big shout-out to our sponsor, Heel Toe Automotive. Make sure you guys check them out, heeltoeauto.com. Been around the Honda community since 2002, supplying you guys with all the parts that you need. Make sure you check them out. And uh, thank you guys for watching. Downtime with Downstar, episode 166. And we out. Peace.